Welcome back to Dr. Me First. I'm your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Aaron Wiseman. And my life, my work, and my podcast is all about helping you move from a place of burnout, brokenness, and despair to one that is just lovely, joy-filled, sustainable, because we all need that, and that you truly freaking love. I've got another great episode with another great female colleague. This is Dr. Christy Angevine, and she is here talking today about choice. Have you ever felt in your life where you had no choices, that you were backed into a corner, that you were just existing in a pool of everyone else's choices? Well, Christy talks about that today, and she talks about how she was able to make some change in her own life, and she also talks about how she is now coaching physicians around over-drinking. Not evidently AA style, not alcoholics, but in a way that empowers you to make the choices that you want, that you're not stuck, and that you do have options. So check out our conversation, and then stick around afterwards for that kick of encouragement. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Christy Angevine. I love that you're here, and I would love even more so if you tell all of our guests about your fabulous self. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Like, I just am so excited to be here, and I've followed you for a long time, so I think this is just going to be so much fun. So my name's Christy Angevine. I'm an OBGYN, and I'm in private practice. I live in Bend, Oregon. I am married. I've got a seven and a three-year-old kiddo, and I'm also a life coach, and I help physicians change their relationship with alcohol, work on their over-drinking, and I also coach physicians on upgrading their habits so that they have long-lasting habits to help well-being in general. I love it, and I love that you've been a closet stalker, and now that we're real-life friends. So thank you for coming out of the closet. So all you all out there listening right now who've been listening for a while, I'm totally approachable. Do what Christy did. Find me on LinkedIn and we will go ahead and start making this a real life in life friendship, right? Absolutely. Super approachable. Not too scary. Not too scary. A little zingy, but you know, whatevs. All right. So ob couple kids, husband, what threw you into the life coaching arena? Yeah. So I found life coaching through burnout. I had early career burnout and had a lot of shame about that because I had, yeah, everyone can relate to that. Not everyone, many people. I had a great job, a great husband, a great everything. And yet just, you know, it really ran into a lot of the classic things of just feeling disillusioned, disappointed, and wondering if I'd chosen the wrong thing in life. And because of that, and because I felt so bad about how bad I felt, I was trying everything. I was talking to people who'd left medicine. I was trying to figure out if I just needed to change jobs, change fields, go do psychiatry, become an architect, you know, to, you know, quit our job and go live in a van. I I was wanting to do anything to bring back the joy. And so I stumbled upon coaching and I found a coach and she was amazing. And I still kind of took the long, slow way out of my burnout, but through all that, the transformation that I went through through having a coach, despite the fact that I had a lot of reservations about coaching at first, because it seemed like a low bar of entry and kind of a trendy thing that I didn't really know about. 
it changed my whole life. And because of that, I wanted to become a coach. And so I became a coach and now I use it with my patients as well as with physicians. And it's yay. I love it so much. You're another one of us who's I did too. I thought the life coaching stuff was totally woo woo at first. Mm -hmm. I was like, if you make me start touching crystals and shit, I'm out. <laughs> I know. I'm like, don't make me manifest something from my couch. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like we're smart women here. Come on now. Don't do this to us. Mm -hmm. And then you get into it and, and I don't know about you, but I can think of one pinnacle point that happened to me when it was just a series of questions that my coaching was my coach was asking me that when I came through them on the other side, I was like light bulb, just totally new shift in my brain yeah, that exactly. it was like, I didn't even know behind door a was this totally different landscape. And I was stuck in this little closet. Right. Absolutely. And I feel like that's what, you know, a lot of the physicians who become coaches, they experience, they look back and they say, now that I know what I know now, if we would have been taught this in medical school or middle school, we would just have had such a different, more resilient experience of things. And it, it doesn't take much to turn that light bulb on. Like it's pretty basic stuff once you get it, but it's just life changing. And it's, you know, and it's based on all these cognitive behavioral research studies that we've known about for years, but it's just, you know, really accessible these days. And the practical application, actually yeah. doing the shit. Uh -huh. it, it's amazing with that. Well, good. Well, we could mush about life coaching all day, but I want to get into your word um, because I love what you're doing around choice. And so explain a little bit why you picked the word choice. So for me, the word choice really does convey what, you know, changed so much for me once I experienced being coached. So and that's what I always want for my clients is for them to get back to that sense of choice, you know? Um, and what I mean by that is when I learned like my light bulb moment, like you're describing, when I learned that my perspective and my mindset and my thoughts really did play a massive role in how I experienced my life and that nothing outside of me had to necessarily change for me to change how I felt. Like I didn't have to leave my job and go to another job to feel happier and feel better. I could choose to look at things a certain way. And then I would actually feel better from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. I just, it was, it was amazing because I didn't feel so much battered around by my circumstances. And I did feel like I had a, a role and like an ownership and sort of, you know, I know it sounds so cheesy, but like authoring my own existence and driving my own car and my own road trip. So I had a sense of choice about things that I feel like I thought maybe other people had. Like other people in their lives, they could choose how they wanted to be, but we doctors, we were just kind of stuck. And um, and the same thing with things like drinking and with overeating and with habits, I just always kind of felt like they were things that we kind of um, not were um, emboldened to, but were uh, held into, but were things that just kind of guided us and were things that we were stuck in. And when I realized that I wasn't stuck in anything and I had a lot of choice, it just changed everything. And that's why I love that word so much. Yeah. And talk a little bit more about that stuck feeling and how the opposite of, of being stuck is choice. Right. So I think this, so many people can relate to this in their jobs, particularly with burnout and a lot of the people that you coach and that questioning their transition from where they are and where they want to go. A lot of times 
you know, I think for physicians, that feeling of stuck is a sense of not having options, feeling like there's been all this training that has led up to something that has been one big fat pile of disappointment and feeling like there's nothing to do about that other than either A, keep grinding away and just be miserable and have a midlife crisis and buy some fancy cars later on to feel better, or B, completely quit and change. And so they feel stuck between this almost binary view. And when you feel stuck, you just feel terrible. And oftentimes, you know, the, many of the people that I coach, they feel so stuck. And in an effort to not feel so stuck, they just try to find things, you know, to make themselves feel better. And some of those things are great, but sometimes when those things to feel better are overworking or over drinking or overeating or over anything, it just perpetuates that feeling of like, I don't have any choices and I am stuck in this, yeah. which is how they probably find people like you who are helping evaluate where they want to go with their life and how they can make sure they're prioritizing, you know, the things that really matter, not necessarily the things that they thought really mattered. Exactly. You know, so many times I find people and I've experienced it myself that when I look at a situation, it's a multiple choice question. It's either A or B. It's either, you know, Scantron fill in with your number two pencil, yes. stay inside the lines, choices. But when you really look at it and, and when I talk to people, I say there are no rules. This, mm -hmm. is, this is essay form on post-it notes if you want it to be. And oh. I think that's part of the shift that we have to have um, that I see so many people on. Um, I talked to another podcast guest a couple episodes again, and she talked about the yo-yo. You need, you're either spun up tight and, and things are in line, or you're just drastically out of control and a yo-yo has no oh, middle. Great. And instead mm -hmm. we need to be a pendulum and that pendulum can find that middle ground and it can also be dynamic instead of static and staying in one place. Um, but it doesn't, it, you learn not to swing to the extremes. Mm -hmm. So tell the audience and remind me again how you came into the over drinking scene. Right. So um, I've always been interested in habits and like why we do what we do. You know, a lot of times that's what drove us into medicine anyways, is just sort of wanting to know more about why humans do and why they operate the way they operate. Um, for me, with that fascination, you know, I, you know, had a background in psychology as well as all the pre-med courses. And some of that just sort of dropped off as I went into OBGYN. Things are a little bit more concrete, more physical, you know, surgical, you know, all those things. Um, but as I was going through my own burnout, and once I, you know, sort of solved th for that with coaching, I also realized that I was leaning on a lot of things outside myself to feel better, even though I felt happier in my job. There was was constantly like using food to get through shifts. I was using, you know, a drink at the end of the day to wind down from things, to feel better. And through coaching, I realized that some of those things just weren't serving me. And so with drinking, as I started, you know, learning a little bit more about why we have the habits we have that make us feel better sort of temporarily, but kind of keep us stuck and leaning on those things to feel better. I realized all around me, there were this huge segment of physicians who were kind of silently suffering. You know, they didn't fit any like criteria for, you know, you know um, really adverse outcomes with their alcohol use. They might be obese and be overeating, but they, you know, that was a socially acceptable thing to work on. But their drinking when they came home was something they kind of hid because all they did was drink a glass of wine, but they wanted it every single night and they didn't feel like they they wanted to not want it, but they didn't know how to reach out. And they kind of felt like they were fraying at the edges a little bit. 
with this thing that didn't fit, you know, they didn't need to go to rehab. They didn't need to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. As all of us are sitting there caging ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. So they, um, you know, they, they didn't fit into any of the classic conventional categories for, you know, the binary model of normal social drinkers and then people who had quote a problem, but there was this suffering there because of just how they felt and how they had learned to feel better, you know, and some of those things were fine. Overworking was great for work. But when there were some bad consequences, they didn't know where to go. And so what I found through coaching is there was this big vacuum with, you know, providing resources for people who didn't need anything that extreme, but they just wanted to have habits that served them better. And alcohol is such a powerful, potent one just because, I mean, it is such a highly concentrated form of reward. But, you know, it's the same thing as, you know, feeling better by using social media or Netflix or a banana nut muffin you know, or, you know, or all of the doves, Brene Brown, the famous who said, you know, sit down in front of TV with a banana nut muffin and a beer. It's, you know, there's a lot of things that we do that we use to feel better that sometimes are great and sometimes aren't. So I found my way to that. And when I sort of peeled back the veil from my own habits and what was serving me, what, what wasn't, I realized I wasn't alone. And so I essentially want to be the resource for the people who, who are quietly not saying anything about what they'd like to change. All right. So all of us sitting here listening who, like I said, we've already caged ourselves and we're thinking about the chocolate chip uh, brownies upstairs. What advice would you have for us as we're sitting here and we're like, okay, Christy's definitely a resource. Going to have to check out what's going on with her. But what would you say in this moment to my audience who's like, hmm, maybe having some new awareness around this? So the, the thing with coming to an awareness that there might be a habit that you'd like to change is first off, there's no reason to demonize any particular habit, whether it is the batch of brownies, the bottle of wine, surfing Facebook and staying up way too late at night, all those are morally neutral and we can use those things to intentionally relax. But if it's crossing your mind that, okay, maybe I have something I do want to change. Maybe the results that gets me in my life with aren't really what I want to do. The first step is just taking note of what you might want to change. Number two, recognizing that, you know, all humans just want to, you know, survive and feel better. And sometimes we use things outside of us that aren't the best for us in the long haul to do that. And there's always the possibility of making changes. And and that's, you know, the work that so many of us do is to help our clients recognize what they want to change and know that change is way easier than you ever expected. Which is I love very it. much what you do with, you know, career transition stuff too, right? Absolutely. I, and, it, you know, that's the cool thing about coaching is that um, we all hover in different spheres, but we all hover together as far as when we're doing this totally. and we may have different approaches and different, but at the heart of it, yeah, we're really looking at just that awareness around it, doing, you know, some quick assessment mm-hmm. to kind of say, okay, what exactly is it? And then really digging into those thoughts to see what's provoking those actions that we're doing. So what about folks who are sitting out there and they're like, okay, yeah, I, I see this happening, but I've lost the weight before I've quit drinking before I've turned off my Facebook and did okay for a while um, and it's creeping in, you know, and I asked this question because a lot of people call like they need like a tune up. What would you say in regards to that? Yeah. So the thing with the tune up, there's two aspects to this. First off, we're humans, life changes, our thoughts change, our feelings change and our actions change as we age. 
and as we go through different things in life. So for sure, one thing that worked, you know, last year may require a different approach this year. That's why people lose weight and gain five more pounds and go, okay, interesting. I noticed some changes and this is what I'm going to do to get back on track. And so there's always that fluidity that the things will change. And so I always like to think that there's not the wagon we fall off of with habits, but there's that evolution. And because thoughts change, so do our actions. So I like to look at it that it's not that big of a deal. So that's the first aspect of you know falling off the wagon, so to speak, or having a change. And the second aspect is when we can really get to the heart of the matter, which you so nicely said a second ago, with looking at how our thinkings are feeling our feelings and driving our actions. And we can sort of reverse engineer that and look back like, what were the thoughts that have led me to have this habit change that sort of went back to where I was before? And what would I need to think differently and feel differently to show up differently? And when we can get to the heart of the matter, then that's what makes sustainable change is something that's actually lasting that we don't have to do with willpower. Yeah, because willpower really is a finite resource. And hell, as physicians, we have a whole shit ton of it, but it does eventually run dry. That's right. Yeah. And so we are experts at willpower. We are. We and really, really ourselves are. out, right? Exactly. And that's where I always help people too that, um, this is not just an internal struggle. It's not just, oh, I need to work harder. I need to get up earlier. I need to, I need to, I need to. But also really taking a look at, at like you said, um, I'm a big believer of knitting internal and external and looking at all those triggers and looking at what has changed. Where have you maybe grown and shifted? Where has your life gone? The people that are most intimately connected to you um, on that sort of thing. and And really taking into all aspects of what's really going on because we are really really good at assessing other people we suck at ourselves we totally suck at ourselves totally i'm really glad that you said that because and that's the thing is that we can really leverage our curiosity about other people and our ability to see things in others we can leverage that for ourselves we just you know oftentimes haven't been taught how to do that but I feel like physicians take to this type of stuff that you do and that I do so quickly because we're naturally very curious, interested in learning. And when you can figure out how to leverage what you already do in your clinical day all the time towards yourself, I mean, it can just snowball. Yeah. And I mean, that's why they use coaching for so many like high performance, not just like career, mm-hmm. but in sports and in, you know, so many other aspects that, I mean, in the world of things, we we are pretty good high performance tools, so you might as well uh, <laughs> using it to our advantage. So if people are listening and they're like, "Okay, she sold me on this," where can they go hang out with you? What special magic goodness do you have to sprinkle on them? Oh my goodness! So, um, so there's two places that are the main places to find me, and um, well, three places. So my website is habitsonpurpose.com, just spelled the normal way, habitsonpurpose.com. Um, then I'm on Facebook a lot, like a lot of this, um, on Facebook, my name is just Christy Ann, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-N-E. It's my old middle name, just so that I don't get stalked by all my patients, but they can find me there. But one of the coolest things on Facebook that I really love right now is just a Facebook group that's called Better Habits Physicians Group. And it's a group where we talk about all the science of habit change, talk about habits that we're working on, habits that we like, habits that we don't like. Um, And I try to just pour my heart and soul into that group so that we can connect and work together and cheer each other on. Love it. Well, I'll have all of that in the show notes. We'll share all this goodness. And Christy, again, I am just so elated to know you and to work with you and to be a colleague with you. 
And I feel the same. And I hope for all of your listeners that they just keep listening because I feel like every episode that I've listened to, I've always taken something away from it, even things I didn't expect listening. And I will go back and re-listen to some of the old ones and they just resonate in a different way at different times. And so everyone listening, please just go back and listen to the other ones again and again. It's amazing. Yeah. And if anybody out there, the two criteria, you have to be a female and you have to be a doctor, but I am doing a non-doctor segment special. So if you're out there and you're not an MD or DO, but you're like, Hey, I want to talk to Aaron and be on the podcast. Just get a hold of me. That'll be in the show notes, how you sign up. And I would love to have anyone and everyone's voice on this because it really truly is about taking care of ourselves first. so much Christy for coming on the podcast and sharing about your experience what you're doing in the world and just how awesome that you are I just greatly appreciate the role that you're taking in life coaching with helping all of us evaluate our drinking patterns and to see if we're over drinking and recognizing the choice that we have that we have in that actually that we don't have to have that drink to wind down that we can find other healthy habits and that when we do want to have that drink that we can be very intentional about it I think it's just a really cool space and I think the sky is the limit on the work that you're getting ready to jump into so kudos to you all right so you ready for this kick of encouragement here we go It's a totally stolen kick of encouragement. I will absolutely admit it. And even better, it's from uh, Christy's Facebook group. So the Better Habits for Physicians. And one of the members who's an amazing colleague and also a coach, Dr. Kara Pepper, she posted in the group, what is your litmus test? After my own epic crash and burn burnout, I developed cues to tell me that my thoughts, feelings, behaviors were pointing me down a road of burnout again. I think of these cues like a guardrail. The guardrail is painful when you run into it, but it keeps you from going the over the edge of the cliff. You don't place guardrails in a valley or at the edge of the cliff. You place them 20 feet away from the edge so that if you run into it, you still have a wide margin to correct before you're in real danger. So for me, the personal cue is when my son says, will you snuggle with me? And I think, ugh, that sounds terrible. I have to do so, I have so much to do. Professionally, it's when I go, oh my God, are all my crazy patients coming in today? In both situations, I know I'm hitting the guardrail. And then she goes on to ask us in the group, what are our guardrails? And so that's what I'm going to pose to you guys in the Dr. Me First community today. How do you know when you're just like lightly bumping and touching into a guardrail and course correcting? Or are you instead like grinding miles down the road, like pushing that guardrail, scraping up the side of your car, almost popping your tires, just totally rubbing the edge? You know, for me, it's the same way. My rubbing up against a guardrail when I know I'm doing too much and I'm heading potentially for a little bit more burnout is when I get home at night 
and when I can't have meaningful and intentional conversations with my kids. Instead, everybody's annoying and I just want to get everybody to bed so I can just relax or what I consider relaxing. I think sometimes it's just me being more flustered then. So I know when I start getting irritated with the kids at night on stupid mundane things, that's just them being kids, I'm rubbing up against my guardrail. I'd love to hear what rubbing up against your guardrail is. And I'd love to give you some tips about how to get off the guardrail. One of those things is, of course, being aware, knowing that it's happening. I think all of us at some point have been scraping the guardrail for so long, we just think it's normal behavior. It's a normal habit. It's just how things are. Well, let me tell you, friend, it's not. So have that awareness about that. My second tip is once you start grinding against the guardrail, don't beat yourself up more. Have some self-kindness. Recognize and tell yourself, okay, this is where we're at. This happens all the time. It's not like you course correct once and then everything is fine. This is something that's normal and I need to be kind with myself in the situation. And then the third step is actually planning for that course correct. What do you need to do to move away from that guardrail? Are perhaps you shoving your schedule too much? Is something changing at work that's changing your environment as well? Is something happening in, with your kids? Something's changed in their schedule or in their lives? And then start making the appropriate counteraction with that. Maybe you've been working 82 hours in the last seven days. Mm time for some rest, time for some time to step away to get rejuvenated and refreshed. Maybe your role at work has changed and maybe it's time to do a course correct with that. Going and talking with your boss and saying, hey, this is not in my job description, though I'm fine to take this project on. I need to have a counteraction against this and that might be asking for more admin time. That might be cutting back on clinic time. Whatever that is, you've got to do a counteraction to the action that's grinding you up against the guardrail. And my fourth tip is a totally selfish one, but I think you're going to love it. It's coming and hanging out with me in my master class on November 3rd. Let me tell you, this is going to be for people who are looking around, who are starting to have awareness and being like, is this it? Is this all I'm doing now? Or now what? Or maybe the a asking the question of, am I perpetually just going to be tired? Is this it? I want to jump into this one hour class. I'm going to teach you about why we get to that place and how we get out of that place. Because I imagine it's you rubbing up against your guardrail professionally as well. So there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and learn more about what's going to happen in this class. It's happening virtually. So you just click on the link and hang out with a bunch of other amazing people. November 3rd, starting at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Bring your questions, bring your comments. It's absolutely going to be interactive. And it's going to be a good example of what the Dr. Me First Mastermind is going to be like in 2020. So if you want something free, if you want to hang out with me more, if you want to meet other like-minded people who listen to the Dr. Me First podcast, come hang out with us on the Mastermind group. I can't wait to see you there, and it's going to be a blast. So friends, please remember, as always, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.
Turn up the door. 